Hey, today we're going to talk about conflict, everybody's favorite subject, right? Conflict, how to, how to deal with conflict. Uh, but before we get started, I thought I'd, uh, I'd give you a little test, because I just want to see how feisty you actually are. Yeah, so um, a couple of questions here. Um, this is called the irritation test, and so um, when driving, when driving, how often do you use your horn? Okay, rarely, if ever, as needed, at least once a day. It's the most used part of my car. Okay, where do you find yourself in there? And then one more question. Uh, while waiting in the express checkout line in the grocery store, do you meditate quietly and visualize world peace? Um, count to see if anyone has more than 12 items. Okay. Or threaten anyone who looks as if they're going to use coupons. Where do you find yourself in there? Okay, that's a good way to, to start this. We are going to talk about, uh, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about um, conflict. And so we want to start by asking this question, that is, like, how do we navigate our relational conflicts? And this is the key part of it right here. How do we do it in a godly way? How do we do it in a God-honoring way? Not, not just like, well, I got through that, and it, you know, there's all these bodies you know, because it didn't do it well, but I did it, and I honored God in the way that I got through that, that, that conflict. 30 years ago, I just finished uh, a class in my master's program over at Vanguard University called Conflict Management. Now, here's the good news. I got an A. And so I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling like, man, I got an A in conflict management. Like, I could go do a seminar right now. I could teach people how to get through their conflicts. And then, you know what happened? 30 years of life happened. And I discovered I was not good at conflict at all. Academically, yeah, I understood it. But uh, how it translated into real life, I was far, far away from that. And so I come to you this morning, as I teach on this subject, I want you to know I am super, super humbled to even be able to talk about it. And I bring to you a lot of failures uh, that I've had in the area of conflict, but also a lot of things that I've learned. Uh, and so um, it's with that heart and attitude that I want to approach this subject of, of conflict and, and how, how to deal with it. And we're going to go to a very famous story. In, in the Bible, uh, chapter 15 of the book of Acts, Acts was written by uh, Dr. Luke. Uh, he, he talks about this famous, famous conflict that took place by some char key characters in the Bible. So um, if you have your Bibles, turn there. And while you're turning there, let me give you a little sort of backstory of this. The first part of chapter 15 in the book of Acts is about something called the Jerusalem Council. The Jerusalem Council was one of the most significant events that took place in the New Testament. Because what happened is all of the, most of the apostles, like Peter, James, and John, all the heavyweight apostles got together, and they had to make a decision about um, how, whether or not the Old Testament was going to be something that they would require new believer, Gentile, non-Jewish believers uh, to live their lives by. And so at this council, they made a very, very important decision. And the decision was this. They said, we are no longer going to require people to live by the Old Testament law, by the law. But we are under a new era of grace. And so they composed this letter. And then they, the, the guys that uh, were at the council went out and they shared this letter. And they, everywhere they traveled, they sent the good news. And so we're going to actually pick it up in verse 30. So the men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. If the people read it, were glad, the people were, were, uh, read it and were glad for its encouraging message. 
Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. And after spending some time there, they, they were sent off by the believers with a blessing of peace to return to those who had sent to them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. So, like, this is a beautiful season in the life of the early church. And now they're going out and they're, they're telling everybody, you know what, you don't have to live under the Jewish law anymore. This is a new era of grace. Um, just have a relationship with Jesus. And, and so you can imagine this kind of a sense of celebration. And then this happened, the conflict. Verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in the towns where we preach the word of the Lord, see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think that it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. So what we have here is, so who is John Mark? John Mark is actually the cousin of Barnabas. So kind of like, we have that kind of like, this is my cousin thing, you know? But he's, he's well thought of. Uh, and Paul looks at the, him and says, yeah, I know he's your cousin, but he bailed on us. You know that last that trip we were on? Remember that? Remember it cost us money? Remember it cost us time? Remember it was a really important trip? And he bailed on it. So they're really seeing this very differently. Uh, and then it says in verse 39, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. And Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left. And commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord, he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So, this is a major, major conflict that takes place, so much so that they actually divide. So let's, let's talk about this. How do we resolve conflict as an opportunity to grow? Now, I know probably a lot of you think of it this way. Don't you, when you are experiencing conflict, isn't that the first thing you think? You think, oh boy, this is an opportunity for growth in my life. And that's probably not the way that you view it. That's not the way that I view it. And I wonder how many of you are, and you don't have to raise your hand, conflict avoiders. You know, you're like, oh, I just, I hate conflict. And, you know, I, that tends to be more my nature. And then I wonder how many of you are just the opposite. You, like, head straight for it. You're like, conflict, this is going to be great. We're going to mix it up. It's going to be wonderful. Okay, so we're all kind of wired a little bit differently that way. But here's something I want you to think about. Have you ever thought about those prayers that you pray and you say something like this, Lord, I want you to mature me, and I want you to grow me. And usually we name some very specific areas. Like you'll say, I need to be more compassionate. You know, I'm not a very compassionate person. So Lord, help me to be more compassionate. Or you'll say this, uh, I need to have more self-control in my life. God, I just need to, I need to get it together. I'm not very self-controlled. Well, I, I think there's part of us that says that as we think that as we're praying that, somehow, you know, by osmosis, we'll wake up in the morning and you know, the prayer will be answered. And suddenly like, you know, I just I have more compassion today. I just feel more compassionate. And, and you know what? I'm more self-controlled. It's just amazing. And what you need to know, that's not the way God usually works. What he does is he tests us. So you say you want to be more compassionate? Guess what? God's going to bring some people into your lives that uh, need compassion. And they might be kind of irritating kind of people. And you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I didn't order this up. You know, I just said I wanted compassion. And the way God does it, he says, I know. So there they are. Be compassionate. Or, or like, I want more self-control, and suddenly everything is just right in front of you. And you're like, whoa, all these choices, and they're all the stuff I want. And, God, and you're like, God, I, I told you I wanted more self-control. And well, God say, that's, see, that's what we're doing. 
we're going to show you how to self-control. So when we look at conflict, we have to look at it as an opportunity for growth. So 30 years ago, got an A, then 30 years of life, learned a whole bunch, and I thought maybe I was done. I mean, you're never really done, but I thought, Lord, I've come a long way, but you know, I'm always praying that prayer. God, help me take it to the next level. Help me to grow some more. So I think the Lord decided it was time for me to get into my doctoral thesis program. And this is the way that it happened. A lot of you know a little bit about my story, but, but about three years ago, my dad passed away, and my mom had passed away a few years before that. And so, uh, you know, after, after the, the funeral and everything, it was time for my two sisters, I have two younger sisters, and I had to sit down together and to figure out uh, about selling the house. Uh, you know, everything was pretty much in writing. It was, it, it was you'd think it was probably just going to maybe be a little bit tough, because, um, you know, it's just that way when sisters and brothers get together and you try to figure that stuff out. Um, but I remember sitting down with them at a Starbucks, and we're sitting around this table, and I said to my sisters, I said, and I'm, I'm, these are my younger sisters, so I'm the older brother, we all have raised our family, we all have adult kids, we all have grandkids, cause, so we're that stage of life, right? So I'm, and I, but we have not been in close quarters for a long, long time. Like, when I say close quarters, we haven't had to do anything or figure anything out together. So this is going to be a real test for us. And, and so I said to my sisters, because they, they look at me, I'm, I'm the pastor, I'm the older brother. I said, well, let's, let's start this off right. I said, so here's what my goal is for us, us three. I said, my goal is that when we're finished with this, that we're going to come out great friends, even better friends than we are right now. Sounds good, right? And then I took it to even a different level. I said, so we need to trust each other. And I did that old circle of trust thing. I said, so this is going to be the circle of trust. We're going we're gonna to have to talk to each other, and we're going to have to figure stuff out. Okay, but we, we're going to trust each other, right? And we're all shaking our heads, yeah. And so I thought, well, we're off to a good start. Little did I know. It was, oh, it was going to be tough. And so the, I'll just tell you the very first thing that happened. The very first thing that happened, we had to find a real estate agent, which you would think not, would not be a big deal. My wife is a real estate agent, and, uh, but, you know, I, apparently that didn't factor into that, so whatever. And so we're, we're sitting down, and we're trying, and we have a candidate who was highly recommended by my aunt. And uh, we sit down, we interview her. Karen and I feel good about it. Uh, my, one of my sisters doesn't feel so good about it. It's like, okay. Um, there was a little bit of arguing involved in that one. Then there's candidate number two, and that one doesn't work either. And it just gets really, really crazy, and there's arguing, there's conflict going on. It's like, oh, my God. And that was just the beginning, just the beginning. Now, here's, here's what I want to say so you don't think that I'm, like, throwing my sisters under the bus. I'm going to call this a no-fault conflict. Nobody's fault in particular I'm, gonna, I, I, I'm to blame for some of it for sure. They're to blame. So when you hear me talking about this, and we just call it a no-fault conflict. There was just a lot of decisions that had to be made. And, and, and it was really, really difficult. But it was a great opportunity and has been a great opportunity for growth in my life. So maybe right now you're going through a conflict. I want you, I want you to think of it in terms of this is an opportunity for me to grow. Healthy conflict helps people clarify perspectives. In Proverbs 27, 17, and I love this particular proverb, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You ever thought about what that proverb actually means? 
What it means is that we need to have people in our life who challenge us. We need to have people in our life who don't always agree with us. They're, they're not necessarily on the same philosophical page with us, and they might think different than us, and it sharpens us. Like, we all need to have those kind of people in our lives. I was talking to a, a, a good buddy of mine. His name is Greg. A few, I think it was about six months ago or so I saw him. And uh, Greg and his family and our family used to do vacations together, so we really, really loved these guys. And, and anyway, um, Greg and I, were, we were, talk, were talking family stuff, and Greg said, man, I had a big old blowout with my daughter. His daughter's 27 years old, married, got kids. I said, well, what happened? Well, see, his, his daughter is, is uh, very strongly opinionated about uh, politics. And so, uh, and Greg's not really, but, you know, they were just having this conversation, and his daughter said, and this, this had happened right after the last presidential election, she said, Dad, who did you vote for? And Greg, knowing the way that his daughter felt, said, well, I'm not going to tell you. And she said, no, no, I want you to tell me. And so she just kept pressing him and pressing him, and finally he told her who he voted for, and she stormed out and did not speak to him for four months. Okay. Now, that's just flat out crazy. Would you not agree? That's just like rude and, and kind of crazy. And, and so the reason I'm bringing this up is because we are in another presidential election year, right? And I don't know what it is about politics, but people just seem to lose their mind when it comes to politics. Now, we are Christians. We are Christ followers, all right? And as Christ followers, I'm, I'm praying for this church, okay? You are the church. I'm praying that, that you don't get crazy on social media. I'm praying that you're respectful. Because um, I'm telling you what, I have all kinds of people in my life. I have people to the far left that I love, people to the far right that I love, people in the middle, and people like somewhere else, somewhere in the twilight zone. Okay, <laughs> people of all persuasion in my life. And you know what? I get along with all of them. I get along with them fine, okay? And, and, and so we ought to have those kind of people in our life because they'll challenge us and they'll sharpen up, sharpen us if, if we allow them to. Healthy conflict helps clarify our perspectives. We also have to understand how different pers- personalities, and this is really comes down to Paul and Barnabas, two very, very different personalities, um, will see the same situation differently. So, so look at how they view this. So here we have Barnabas, and Barnabas, he's, he's kind of the bleeding heart He's the compassionate guy. Barnabas, his, his name actually means son of encouragement. So we know who Barnabas is that like, yeah, you know, he's got potential. He's young. Let's bring him. I know he bailed on the last trip, but it's going to be okay because I believe in Barnabas. I mean, I believe in, in John Mark. And then we have Paul. And Paul is a different kind of guy. He's wired different. Paul, sees, he's more of the big picture guy. And he's the guy that says, wait a second. We have, this is going to be our second missionary trip, and this is a huge mission. And we cannot afford to have a guy like John do what he did last time, where he bailed. We, we cannot, that cannot happen. And so basically, he is saying the mission is just too big for us to take a chance on, on John Mark. Now, here's the question Who is right? And the answer is, they were both right. Both of them were right. They just, they just came from different perspectives. And that, that's why it's important, as we're in the middle of some kind of a conflict, to know who you're dealing with and to try to understand 
where are they coming from? Uh, at, at Newbreak, whenever we hire somebody on uh, our staff, we have, again, we have five campuses. We have somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 or 60 staffers. We always give them what's called a, a disc test. Anybody here ever take the disc test? Okay. And, and the reason that we do that is kind of a personality assessment is because, like, we all want to know how that person is wired. So I'll know how to work with that person. For instance, um, if you understand the test, if the person is a high C, I'm going to know personally that they're a detail person and that details matter. And so when I'm going, well, whatever, you know, and they're going, no, I need details. I can go, oh, they're a C, they're a high C. If it's, if it's a D, it's a person who's really driven. Like they're, you know, like we're going to get the job done. It's all about the mission. And so for that person, I, instead of saying, man, they're so rude, I'm just going to say, no, they're a D. And so we just, it's different perspectives. It's learning how to understand each other. So we come from different viewpoints. But it doesn't mean that one person is right. It doesn't mean one person is wrong. The one person is bad. We're just coming from different places. And again, this is how we resolve conflict. Now, if you're really struggling with somebody, if you're really, really struggling with somebody, we have this acronym, PEACE. peace. And uh, I want to I run it by you real quickly here. Uh, the first, the P stands for pray. Always, always, if you're having a struggle with somebody um, and it's getting kind of emotional and heated, start with prayer. Jesus said, pray for your enemies. Don't curse them. You know, just, just, just start with prayer. And then empathize. And basically, James said this uh, in James 1.19. He said, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. A lot of times we do it just the opposite. You know, we're, we're quick to get angry and quick to speak. And James says, no, basically it's like step back from it, try to get some perspective, and try to, try to figure out, like, why does that person feel the way that they feel? This is, a, this is one of the greatest ways to get through conflict. If I can understand why you feel the way that you feel, there's a good chance we can resolve our, our conflict. And then act first. Now, Jesus talked about this a lot. Jesus, in, in Matthew chapter 5, 9, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. No, he didn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. Like some of us, we're all about just keeping the peace. Like, just oh, you know, okay, whatever. He says, no, I want you to be a peacemaker. I want you to take the initiative. And then Jesus took it a whole step further. In Matthew 18, uh, Jesus said this. He goes, if your brother or your sister offends you, sins against you, whatever, then what are you supposed to do about that? And he said, I want you to go to them. You go straight to them. Don't go to 39 other people and then to them. You go straight to them. And here's been my experience as a pastor for many, many years now. Is somebody will come to me and they'll go, Steve, I'm just so angry about this person. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Have you talked to that person? And many times, well, no. Let's do it the Bible way. This is the biblical way. You need to go talk to them. First. Now, if you can't resolve it, I'm willing to step in and help, Okay. But the biblical way, the Jesus way, is you go talk to that person first. Um, and then we need to choose forgiveness, always. You know what? If, if forgiveness is not involved, there's just no way forward. Like, we're, if, if, if forgiveness is not involved, you know what's going to happen next? Bitterness. And then just the relationship is just going to shut down. So there always has to be forgiveness. And then finally, encouragement. Uh, there needs to be the encouraging factor. Encourage and build each other up is what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Like build each other up. And that's a way to get through some of the conflict that you might, might be having. Here's another thing. We have to discern, why am I fighting? Have you ever got into a fight 
and you forgot why you were fighting. Come on. Anybody ever been there before? It just starts to escalate, and you're in the middle of it. And at some point, you're like, why are we fighting? Okay, probably made more inside of a, um, a marriage relationship. Or, but it could be any other kind of relationship, too. At some point, you're like, why, do, why are we fighting? And maybe this is the bigger thing. What is the issue behind the issue? Because if you're fighting over what seems to be like nothing, there is a bigger issue. And it could be some resentment that's built up over a period of time. And finally, it just blew up in that moment, right? Finally, somebody just let loose. And so you've got to figure that stuff out. Why are we fighting? In this particular situation, Paul, Barnabas, or really, they're going at it. It's a, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Sometimes in the Bible, it doesn't give all the information. Uh, I, do, I do like the fact that the Bible tells us the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's what's, you know, I, I love the fact that it tells us everything. But it doesn't fill in all the little details. When it said they had a sharp disagreement, I don't know how you read that. So I'm just, I have to use my imagination a little bit. And I have to think, they probably were raising their voices at some point. There might have been some yelling. Involved. Now, these were godly men. This is the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. But at some point, I think this thing might have escalated a little bit. You have to ask yourself the question, how long did this argument last? Was it an all-nighter? You have to ask yourself, what kind of words were used as they are having this disagreement, right? So a sharp disagreement, it happens. But again, we go back to the fact that this is an opportunity for growth, this is an opportunity to move the relationship forward if we do it the right way. So here's some questions that we ought to consider if, if, we're, trying, if we're right in the middle of, of, of a disagreement or a fight or a conflict. First one is this. How serious is the disagreement? Now, look, at, you, you, can't, you can't make everything into like that mountain, right? You, you, not, you, have, you can't fight for everything. Sometimes you kind of have to pick your battles. You go, is this worth even arguing over? Sometimes like, nah, it's not that big of a deal. That's the first one. And then does it demand immediate attention? When it comes to serious conflict, time is your friend, not your enemy. A lot of times, because we're such a hurried culture, we're like, no, I've got to get through this, and we've got to resolve this right now. And that's probably not going to help the situation. Sometimes you just got to take time. Maybe take it depends on what's going on. Maybe take a day, a week, a month. But what does it require for you to, to, to be able to resolve this? See, I'll, I'll give you an example of um, my wife and myself. So we've been married for almost 40 years. And Karen and I discovered very early in our marriage that when we fight, uh, it can get a little bit crazy at times. And, and so it starts to just escalate, escalate. And, you know, I'm... I'm Really, I'm Italian, she's Irish, and so we, things just start to like go, go. And so what happens, instead of getting clarity, we get less and less clarity, and we just get more angry and angry. Uh, and so I know, I know that the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. But we discovered that the only way that we could really, really deal with that kind of stuff going on is go to bed and go to sleep. Now, I know I talked to some couples, and they're like, Are, you must be kidding me. How could you sleep? I don't know. We just do. I put my head in the pillow. She puts her head in the pillow. Somehow we have the ability just to... And when we wake up in the morning, everything's just better. So, uh, you know, we, we feel better. And then we'll have... We, it's not like we avoid the conversation. 
we still have the conversation, but uh, we have more perspective, we, we feel better, and we're able to proceed forward. So it, it really, time, time is your friend. You've got to do it the right way. Um, can our different perspectives be mutually respected? I think the key word here is respect. If you're fighting with somebody, are you throwing words around that are disrespectful? Are you name-calling? Um, are you demonizing them? Are you trying to make them belittle them? Okay, that, that's all part of this. Can we have different perspectives, but also be respectful at, at the same time? Can we agree to disagree? A while back, I was having, really having it out with somebody. And I mean, it was pretty heated. And it wasn't my wife. It was somebody else. And uh, at some point, I, I just said, can we just agree to disagree? And the person said, no, we can't. And I said, whoa, wow. And I mean, it was at that level. And, and so I continued. I thought, well, what am I going to do? So I continued, you know, to be a, a part of this and, you know, kind of give my perspective. And I said it again, and I got the same answer. The third time they finally said, okay, we can agree to disagree. Sometimes that's what it comes down to. Pretty much with Paul and Barnabas, it was agreeing to, to disagree. Am I more concerned with being right or maintaining the relationship? Ooh, this is a big one right here, right? Are you one of those people like, well, I'm right, as long as I'm right? Or can you let it go? The question is really, what's more important, you and I being right or the relationship? Even if you are right, I think the relationship is more important. And then finally, am I motivated by sinful desires to get my own way? Is there a real difference of opinion that needs to be resolved? Or is there? Sometimes it just comes down to plain selfishness. Here's the deal. I want what I want. And if you're standing in my way, well, that's too bad for you. Okay? And, and we have to sort of figure that out. Or is it just something else? Is it really a difference of, of, of opinion? Those are good questions to consider. The thing is, we have to stay involved in, with that person, resolve the conflict, stay in the arena of conflict, and try, try, to, try to fix it instead of just bailing on that person. That's why when I look at Paul and I look at Barnabas, you might say, some people would say it this way. They'd say, this was a real defeat for both of them. But actually, not so much so. Yeah, it was a big fight, big argument. But look what happened. At some point, they said, all right, you go your way. I'll go my way. Um, you know, so basically, Paul ends up with Barnabas, and they begin to travel around and plant churches. And, and, and so um, Silas, he goes with Silas, I'm sorry. And then John Mark uh, travels around with Barnabas. And what happens is they are now doing double the work. So the important thing is they stayed on mission, even though they had a very sharp disagreement. They stayed on, they didn't lose sight of the mission. This is, when it comes to a relationship, we can't lose sight of, of the mission. In fact, they, they went out and they began to strengthen the churches and something really, really good happened. In a marriage, the ultimate getting off mission is called divorce. Irre, they call it irreconcilable differences, right? We couldn't agree. We couldn't agree. Well, we're going to go our separate ways, completely off mission. Now, I'm not saying that to shame anybody who's ever been divorced. I know divorce is hard, difficult. It's not about that. But wherever you are today, just, just know that if you're in the midst of a conflict, 
um, try to keep the mission clear. Like, we're, it's not about me going my way and yours, and then we'll never see each other again, and I'll never forgive you, and I hate you, and you hate me. It's like, and this is the hard part. I'm going to stay with you, and we're going to work through this. I'm going to stay with you, and we're going to try to figure this out. Okay? And it may be the hardest work you've ever done, but I'm telling you, it'll be worth it. You'll learn how to fight fair, as I say sometimes. You'll learn how to do it in a respectful way, and you'll learn how to get through conflict and come out the other end of a conflict and actually actually be better friends with that person. You've got to for- pursue forgiveness as the bridge back to a healthy relationship. It's all about forgiveness. So let me go back to my sisters for a second. So um, I'm uh, hearing from my sisters. Things are getting really gnarly and crazy, and we're having arguments and all this kind of stuff. But then one day, it just kind of went to a whole new place. Uh, and, and so my sisters are, are telling me that, um, and things, things I never even knew about. Basically, they said, you know, and they're going back to my childhood and all these resentments they had against me. I didn't know any of this stuff. And they're just like bringing it. And this is one conversation at a time. And so at this point, I'm like, wow. Like, you guys never told me this before. I, like, I didn't know that you felt that way about me. I, I didn't know that you had all this resentment towards me. And so I'm trying to figure out what to do with that. And here's what, how I felt about it. I thought, this is totally unjustified. I, I, you can't believe that you guys are saying this. So I make one of the biggest mistakes that I have made, and that is that I texted. It's like, don't ever text in, in something like this, okay? So much is lost in translation, spell check, everything else, right? Just think about it. So I text this long text to both of my sisters, and I feel like I'm just, I'm in the right, and they'll understand this, and I'm usually pretty good with my words, especially when I write, and they go ballistic. Everything, I mean, just completely don't apparently understand where I'm coming from, they apparently misinterpret it or hear it wrong or whatever it is. So now I'm really in a place, and, I, and they're, they're madder than ever, and I'm thinking, well, what am I going to do now? I mean, this is it's just craziness now. So one, one morning, I'm in my place where I have deep thoughts, the shower. I don't know what it is about the shower, but, you know, just deep thoughts to Steve Bombacci in the shower. And, and I'm praying about this, and I'm going, Lord, I'm going to fix here, man. This is craziness. I love my sisters, and it's just, this is just never what I wanted to become. What should I do? And I, the Lord spoke to me, and I don't, the Lord always speaks to me in my vernacular. I suppose he probably speaks to you kind of where you're at. And basically, the Lord said to me, suck it up. Tell them, just ask for their forgiveness. I didn't really like that answer. That's why I knew it was from God. I'm like, really? really? I, but I'm in the right! You know, and just do it. So I got on the phone with my sisters one at a time, and I said to them, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry that this has all happened and that I have offended you and that I've hurt you, and I want you to please forgive me. And I said it just that way. And so I spoke to one sister, and then I spoke to the other. And I was really, really surprised. Like, I would say, it didn't fix everything, but I I would say about 75% of a relationship got fixed just because I did that. I saw them next time. You could tell they, they were happier, more smiles, more hugs. I'm like, 
Wow. Why? Because I chose the path of forgiveness. It is the path forward. It, it, is, it is the way forward. In 2 Timothy 4.11, notice here what it says. Now, when Paul writes this, he's, this is the last letter he writes. He's pretty much an old guy when he writes this. And he, and he says, only Luke is with me. And he says, get Mark. Get who? Yeah, you remember that guy that you said you shouldn't go on the trip? Get Mark and bring him with you because, well, he's helpful to me in my ministry. So we have a change of perspective here. We, we have now Paul, who's much older, and maybe he's thinking, you know what? I was too hard on John Mark. I, you know, I, maybe I should have brought him. And I wonder, and I'm just wondering, if maybe there wasn't a conversation between Paul and John Mark when he said to him, you know, will you forgive me being, being so hard on you? All these years later, there's resolution. All these years later, there's, there's forgiveness. And it turns out to be something that, that, that's really, really beautiful. I love the fact that um, Paul, of all people, wrote these words right here because Paul was involved in so many church conflicts. If you go back to, like every time that he plants a church, you know, the Corinthian church and all the other churches, Philippians or whatever, there's conflicts all along the way. And then because he understands, if anybody understands conflict resolution, it's the Apostle Paul. He goes, okay, here, here's what I want you to know. In Colossians chapter 3, he says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Hmm. I wonder if anybody in the room has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Boy, that, that's a sticking point right there. You know, just about the time we say, I'll never forgive you, we have to think God said, well, I forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And then let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. In other words, we're a family. We're a family. And God says, I want you to work it out, work it out, work it out. Love each other. Forgive each other. Talk about it. Stay in the tunnel of conflict until you can walk away from it and say, okay, I think we understand each other a little bit better. And we can forgive each other. So let's talk about that, that thing called saying I'm sorry. And this is going to be a little practice for, for all of us. So some of you, you may not have said it for a while. So how not to say I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but you touch that other word, right? I'm sorry, but, and then you pretty much, everything you say after that is your way of saying I'm actually not sorry. I just had to explain to you why I am sorry and then here's, I'm sorry, but if, if you were hurt. You ever done that one before? I'm sorry if you were hurt. In other words, what you're really saying is you shouldn't have been hurt. And then how about this one? Well, I said I was sorry. Oh, that really fixes things, right? Okay, now, how, how about, the, here's a better way to apologize. And just because there could be a few of you in the room that haven't said this for a long time, I would like all of us to say this together, all right? So I'm going to count to three, and on the count of three, we're going to say, I'm sorry. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. I'm sorry. Did that hurt? Wasn't that bad, right? Just, just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was wrong. For some people, that's even a more difficult one to say. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Those are words that can change everything. No matter who was right or who was wrong. It's, it's the way forward for a relationship. And so I, I leave you with this. Who do I need to take the first step toward to make things 
right. So we've been talking about how to resolve conflict, how to do it in a godly way. Is there somebody out there and, and there's just a great divide between you and that person? Is there somebody out there and words were spoken and, and you know it, it's not right? Maybe you haven't spoken to that person for a long time and it needs to be fixed. So if, if you would, would you just bow your heads with me for a moment? Let's pray, let's pray about this. Let's seek God about this right now, okay? Lord, life, life is complicated and, and people make it even more complicated. We're all wired so differently. We think differently. We have different perspectives and opinions. And sometimes we just crash into each other. And we don't understand each other very well. And yet you called us to love each other. The highest calling, to love each other. And that, and that means that despite the fact that we don't always understand each other, and we hurt each other, you've asked us to forgive each other too. And in this moment, Lord, my prayer is if there's somebody here, maybe several people, to say there, there's a relationship, it, it's not good. It needs help. It needs healing. God, that in, in this moment, that you would give somebody the courage to take the next step, whatever that looks like. And, and for some of us, that means going back to that person or maybe even persons and saying, I, I want to talk to you. Um, let, let's, let's keep the conversation going. And so, Lord, we could walk out of here today and say, well, I learned a few things about conflict management and what the Bible has to say, and that would all be well and good. But, Lord, if we walk out of here and we don't try to pursue those relationships that need healing, not a lot will have been done. This is a holy moment right now. Let God speak to you right now about what would be next for you. What would that be? Ask God to give you the courage and the wisdom and the strength to proceed forward. What a beautiful thing it could be if a relationship could be restored. A friend, a child, a parent, a spouse. What does that look like for you? Jesus, I pray that you'll help us to do the right thing, the courageous thing. In Jesus' name we pray.